Welcome to Engineering Career Journeys, brought to you by Australia-wide Engineering Recruitment. This is a podcast series where we interview prominent senior engineers from across Australia and delve deeper into their career journeys and how they got where they are today. We hope that this will inspire and assist up-and-coming engineers in planning their own careers. Now over to your host, David Armstrong, General Manager of Australia-wide Engineering Recruitment. Greetings and welcome to today's conversation with Christy Batista. Christy is the Chief Technology Officer of Alum Energy, an Australian company with the world's first solar sharing technology for multi-dwelling buildings. Their product, the SolShare, has the potential to greatly reduce carbon emissions by making rooftop solar accessible to all. Last week, indeed, Alum Energy were awarded Australia's Clean Tech Innovation of the Year by the Clean Energy Council. Christy is an expert in leading tech and product teams that commercialize innovations that solve problems that matter to the world. She's over 10 years of experience as a project leader with a product market fit focus at Planet Innovation. Christy has an authentic leadership style and a deep passion for creating inclusive environments and teams that give individuals the opportunity to thrive. She's a mentor for Melbourne University's Innovation Practice Program where she mentors emerging leaders on delivering innovative solutions to industry needs. Christy is very passionate about inspiring the next engineers and leaders to use their talent and their time to solve problems that truly matter to the world. And it is a real pleasure to welcome her to this podcast. Thanks very much to you, Christy, for agreeing to join us. Thanks, David. It's a real pleasure to be here. I'm excited to talk to you today. Fantastic. Christy, what compelled you to become an engineer? Well, I'm going to dig back a little into high school, actually. So I remember when I first got exposed to physics and and it was fascinating and, you know, it opened up a whole new world of awareness to me. I just loved it. I actually remember watching X-Files, which probably gives away my age. And um, I I had this realisation that the scientific theories that X-Files were based on were just an exaggeration and just really loved that that side of things. And then I suppose when I got to um, selecting subjects and university degrees, I actually wanted to do everything because <laughs> I've got a passion for a lot of areas in life and, and a lot of areas of learning. So I actually struggled to narrow it down to a particular field. But what I realised is I was a strong problem solver analytical and had a pretty curious mind and and I think that's what first took me towards an engineering path but then when I finished high school and um, was looking at specific university degrees to, to do I was sort of struggling between making a choice between engineering and something to do with the human body because I, I loved health and fitness and um, yeah basically physiology and I went to Swinburne University one day and heard a lecturer speak about the double degree that they had there, which was electronic engineering and medical biophysics and instrumentation, which effectively shortened is a, a biomedical engineering degree. And coming across that combination, I think, really settled for me what I would do because it would allow me to explore both of those areas. And also, I was pretty excited that I thought I could probably do something pretty positive for the world 
being in the in the medical engineering space. So yeah, that's what compelled me to become an engineer. How cool to combine both passions. Yeah, it was pretty amazing. I remember, like, you know, when you just have that moment where you're exposed to something and you know it feels right. Yeah, that's what happened when I heard that lecturer speak at Swimburn. I thought, yeah, this is the combination. Yeah, didn't look back from there. I suppose it worked out pretty well in the end. Terrific. What was the biggest turning point which accelerated your career? So, yeah, thinking about this, I don't think there's a standout in my career, I think that my career has actually been based on pretty consistent delivery and and trying to just do the best job that I can do in any role I have. But I'm going to speak about two areas that were a bit of a turning point. The first one was a project leadership opportunity. So when I was at Planet Innovation, I was doing electronic engineering and at the time developing one of the IVF instruments that Planet Innovation still manufacture to this day. And one of the directors said to me, I think you'd be really good at project leadership and we've got an opportunity for you. And so I took that opportunity and I think, you know, it was a bit of a natural, to be honest. So it allowed me to use a combination of my skills, being like quite organised, a good communicator, planning a vision for a team, client management, and then problem solving, I think, it just, yeah, it, it really probably elevated me and my thinking to the next level. So I think that was one key turning point. And the second one would be just last year um, making the move to Illum Energy as the Chief Technology Officer. I think, um, you know, sometimes being probably humble, you know, it feels a bit funny to say, but it was an opportunity to be recognised in a C-suite role. Yeah. And I think that's raise my profile, which I'm starting to sort of come to terms with, to be honest. But what I've realised, it gives me a greater platform to have a bigger impact. And and that's what I'm passionate about. I really want to have an impact on people and, and try and inspire them to do, you know, amazing things with their life. And I think Illum's giving me that platform. Also, I really love the product that we're developing. You know, I'm very passionate about it and it's kind of been you know, a bit of a a shift moving from the biomed space to the renewable space. So that's been a nice sort of fresh change as well. That change, was that a difficult one for you to make? Did you deliberate long and hard about the choice? I did actually, David, because I really love Planet Innovation. I love the people there. I'd been there for over eight years, so I'd seen it grow from 30 people to, you know, well over 200 people. So I had a lot of really good connections there. I'd done a lot of different roles there and I'd really grown there. So it was actually quite an emotional decision to make that move and and one that I found very hard to do. But, um, you know, I think it was just time for me to to be exposed to different things and have an opportunity to grow in a different way. Yeah, sometimes it can be really difficult, can't it, Christy, to leave an organisation that you've been with a long time. It's almost separation, isn't it? It is. It was, it was really hard. Um, yeah, I did have to deliberate a long time. But the amazing thing is that you really keep those connections. The, the connections that are strong will come with you. And um, I'm really happy that we're actually doing our manufacturing with Planet Innovation. So, you know, I have a business interaction with them still. And I really hope that as a loom grows and succeeds more, that will bring more success to Planet Innovation too. So, 
you know, that's been a nice outcome out of it all. Brilliant. Have you had many mentors along the way? And if so, how much have they actually helped you? Um, a bit of yes and no. So I probably haven't had a lot of formal mentorship in my career, but I've been pretty proactive in seeking out people that I can learn from. And so it might be I can learn from this person about a specific aspect and then I can learn from someone different about something different again. So I have yeah, been exposed, I suppose blessed to be exposed to some really great people that I've learned a lot of different things from. I've still got a really great friendship that was actually born out of mentorship. So a mentor that I had when I was a graduate, yeah, it sort of blossomed into, you know, one of my most cherished friendships. So I'm a massive believer in mentorship and I think it'd be great to see more of it. One thing I've realised with mentorship, even for myself, is that we've got a bit of a subconscious bias to want to mentor people that seem like you, you know, like attracts like. And that, that's one that, you know, I've become conscious of for myself to be careful to make sure that you give opportunities for mentorship to people that are different to you. And I, I think sometimes there's like a woman in a, in a very male-dominated industry, traditionally there's probably not been as much taking younger female engineers under the wing. And, um, yeah, it'd be nice to see that change. And I think it will. I think as we see more diverse leaders, and it's not just about women and men, but different cultural backgrounds, different sexual orientations, um, you know, different socioeconomic backgrounds, I think we'll get a more diverse leadership mix and, and therefore we'll see different junior engineers be mentored up through the ranks. Do you mentor people yourself now, Christine? I do mentor a lot. Do you? Yes. <laughs> it's one of my greatest passions. I, I've always done it, whether it's been through a formal program or an informal program and, and now being um, the CTO at alone. A big part of what I do is really growing a team and growing individuals and really giving them that time to work out, you know, how do I help them be the best that they can possibly be? How do I help them grow and give them that space to grow into? So, yeah, I love it. I really love it. You spend a lot of time at Melbourne Uni mentoring people there as well, aren't you? Yeah, so I've been involved in their innovation practice program and what they do there is they get emerging leaders from industry to come into the university and mentor groups of engineering students and they're put into teams that are solving a specific industry problem and what I do is I've got a role that's called a cluster consultant and my role is to sort of help in that interaction between the emerging leaders and the students and also making sure the businesses are getting the outcomes that they want from the program. So yeah, I think it's a fantastic program. It's really getting engineers to think about things that are a bit broader than just like pure technology and the maths and engineering sort of subjects that they're learning and about teamwork and collaboration and, and solving problems and really looking at the customer needs, etc. How important were postgrad studies for you? Well, Personal growth and evolution's like one of my most important values. Like I just really love learning and, you know, the Alum guys would, would tell you I'm always banging on about growing yourself. So, yeah, that's really important to me. But in terms of formal postgrad, I think 
it's not a clear-cut answer. It's probably if there's a translation to industry by doing it or there's a skill that you need to learn to do your job better or even just a genuine passion for that subject, then go for it. But I think if you're just doing it to try and get ahead, you have to really question how much time and energy and money you're going to put into a post-grad study because it does absorb a lot of energy and time that you could be doing other things in industry. So I don't think it's a clear yes or no. It's very situational. One of the leaders at Planet Innovation once said to me, if you're getting the opportunities in your career, you don't necessarily need to do post-grad. And I think that was quite insightful and something that always stuck with me. You know, for me, my learning in the past, say, five years has been more centred around human psychology, emotional intelligence, coaching, empowering others. And look, I didn't do that for career reasons. I did it purely for my own personal interest, but it's translated really well into the workplace. And that's where I would just say that I'm probably more about personal growth and learning in life than necessarily a formal degree. You must have done a lot of personal development yourself then. A heap. (laughs) Yeah, a heap. Yeah. And continue to do so? Yeah, I'm very big on the personal development. So, yeah, I do a lot of things outside of work. Yeah, to just grow me as a person. I just think if I'm a better person, I'm a better engineer and I'm a better leader. So there's no downside all around. What a great way of looking at it. That's inspiring. What's one common myth about your profession that you'd like to debunk? Yeah, um, so this one, I think what it is, is that you don't need to be a real tech head to be successful in engineering. So what I mean by that is don't feel that if you're not the guy or girl that's in their garage every weekend tinkering on some electronics project or some mechanical project that you won't be a good engineer. I think that it takes all types. So I think that the most innovative teams are extremely diverse in many different aspects. And so, yeah, like like if I speak to for myself, I'm definitely someone who's quite practical and will happily fix something around the house or get involved in a hands-on activity. But when it comes to technology on the weekends, I'd rather be outside surfing or riding a bike and having an adventure in nature than being into the latest gadgets. To be honest, I'm probably a bit of a Luddite when it comes to the latest tech, but that doesn't mean I'm not a good engineer. I'm a natural born problem solver and I'm a communicator that can traverse different stakeholders. And so you need that different mix in a team need your people that are really passionate about tech and they're going to sit there and solve that software bug for a week and, you know, they're just going to be ingrained in it and they love it. But equally, you need the people that, I suppose, have the broader view and can bring the different elements together. So, yeah, I just think for junior people or people in school considering an engineering career don't feel that you need to be one particular way to be successful as an engineer. Mm -hmm. What was your greatest challenge, Christy, during your career and how did you overcome it? It's probably hard to pinpoint one, probably rather a series, but I think an ongoing challenge I'll, I'll speak about is that if you're a capable 
knowledgeable person who takes pride in delivering to commitments, you'll continue to be pretty loaded up and to a point where you might struggle to switch off. So that's probably an ongoing challenge for me. I think I've learnt that even if you're good at multitasking, it doesn't actually mean that it's necessarily good for your mind. And I think, you know, one bit of advice I'd give there is you need to build the ability to say no because in saying no, you're actually saying yes to opportunities that are more aligned with your purpose. And, yeah, and then really just becoming like aware of mindfulness practices. So, you know, I do things like meditation and journaling and yoga. And, you know, when we're not in a pandemic, getting away for a surf for a weekend and really engaging with nature. So, yeah, knowing how to take that time out regularly and then for more extended periods of time too to just prevent burnout, I think it is really important. That self-awareness is critical, isn't it? Yeah, I, I do. I think it's um, huge. I think being in the profession that I'm in, there, there is often a lot of pressure. There's a lot of uncertainty in product development. And now, you know, being in a growth company at Alloom Energy, you know, you're trying to make a lot of things happen quicker than is comfortable. So you're often uncomfortable. And, and that's exciting. I mean, I find it exciting sort of being close to that in a way. I'm sort of driven in that way but at the same time you need that balance because you can't sort of have your cortisol levels up all the time and not know how to bring them back down because it will result in health problems it will catch up with you so I'm very you know mindful of that and um, very mindful of that for my team too and making sure that I'm bringing practices into the workplace to help them with that and help their build their self-awareness around that area too. That's brilliant. What did you wish when you'd known when you started out? So I probably got a bit of a, maybe a different answer than you might have expected, but okay, good. that's how I can tend to be a bit different. So I suppose engineering environments at university and at work subconsciously were telling me that masculinity was valued and I sort of didn't want to stand out and be different to everyone else. And I don't know, when I was coming through university and into my career, you know, there really wasn't many other females around. But I think I actually lost a a special part of myself for probably 15 years, if I really reflect on it. And look, it wasn't obvious at the time. So I am a tomboy. (laughs) I love competing with the boys on the sports field. And that is truly me. That is genuinely a part of me. But I think I lost connection with the more feminine side of myself. And that's my side that's more creative. It's a side that's in flow. It's nurturing. And it has an ability to deeply connect and understand people. And so, you know, I've realised that in recent years and I've tapped back into it. And I think it's made me a better person a better engineer and a better leader so look I suppose why I wanted to share that is it's not a message about men as opposed to women we all have a masculine and a feminine side to various percentages and it's not even about masculine and feminine it's about recognizing that whatever makes you uniquely different is an asset and it's when you're being authentically yourself that your true power comes through 
And that's the message I want to share today. Never lose who you are because that's what's special about you. That's a very powerful message. What was the realisation point, if I may ask, that made you consider that loss that you described? It was, it was a fairly, like, personal things outside of work that made me realise it. And it was, and going back to the earlier question when I talked about understanding human psychology and, and self-awareness and emotional intelligence, it came through that. So it's, it's hard for me to pinpoint. It wasn't like a particular moment. It was probably over a few years of learning and, and self-discovery that I had this realisation. And that, that's why... I'm saying it was in no way a conscious decision to be like that, but I realised it was my environmental conditioning had made me be a particular way. And, um, you know, maybe if someone listening to, to this hears that, maybe they might explore that a little more for themselves, where it, whereas I, I suppose I wasn't exposed to anything like that to even think it was an issue. And it's not that, you know, things were bad or that I did in any way my engineering career in those times, but I'm just really grateful I've realised it and um, re-tapped into a, a better sense of balance. Christy, what do you see the future for engineering? Well, I'm going to speak about what I hope the, the future of engineering is. I really hope that we see a lot of engineers using their talents to solve problems that truly matter to the world. I think that we're in a time where the world's really hurting. And I think we've seen that this year in 2020 with the bushfires, with the pandemic, the world's in pain. My hope is that we see engineers use their talents in, in spaces that really matter. So I hope we see more engineers in the environmental space, in the renewable space that Alum Energy is part of in the biomedical space, so improving quality of life for people, solutions that foster more connection in our community as well. And I think aged care is going to be an interesting space to consider too. We've got an ageing population. You know, I think even with what's happened in Melbourne with the pandemic and some of the tragedies in some of the aged care facilities, we need to think how we do support people as they're ageing. And I think technology can have a helping hand there. Isn't that tremendous? So you really see engineering and technology as a, a part of the solution to enrich our lives and to give us sustainability? I think technology can be used for really good, amazing purposes. But I also think technology has been used in ways that hasn't really done the world any good. And I think now we're in a place where we really have to think carefully about how we move forward and how we leave behind a world that's better than when we entered it. Christy, you've been really generous with your time and it's been fascinating hearing about your story. One last question, if I may. What advice would you give someone wanting to pursue a career similar to yours? I've always got lots of advice, David, so I'll, I'll, I'll give a little bit of it. I think the first thing is to be a sponge, to be curious, to be open and just to ask a lot of questions. I think that for young engineers coming through as well, don't only focus on technical skills. I think your ability to collaborate and communicate is really key. In fact, emotional intelligence is a greater predictor of success than IQ and, and that's, that's shown through data. So, you know, be holistic in how you develop yourself. 
The other thing is I think there's a lot of people wanting to progress very quickly in their career, but I think learning how to lead yourself first before pushing for opportunities to lead others is important. So organise yourself, consistently perform in your craft, communicate well to your peers and superiors. It was a a leader at Invitec that once said to me, realise it's a long game and, and he said, you know, I can see you're building a pyramid so that when you rise up, you'll be strong and you'll be based on strong foundations and some people that rise too quickly are a bit of a flagpole in the wind and that's another one that has stuck with me. Build connections, I think. Really get to understand your colleagues and your clients and take joy in that. I mean, I take joy in interacting with people and learning what makes them tick, but there's benefit in doing that too. But take joy in it. So as well as good technology, you need really good people to do anything significant in your career. So that's a really important one. I think too, if you're driven by growth and enjoyment and solving problems that matter with a good team around you, that passion is a lot more fulfilling than being driven by power, status or money. And then ultimately, if you do all of that and you're not getting the opportunities, be courageous and forge your own path. So the last thing I'd probably just leave with is like treat everyone regardless of position with respect. One of my guiding sort of principles is that I really want to leave everyone who crosses my path with an impression of increase, however big or small that is, and I think that that will stand you in good stead too. Tremendous messages, very powerful. Thank you so much, Christy. Christy Batista, Chief Technology Officer at Illum Energy. Thanks very much. Thanks, David. I've really enjoyed chatting to you. Inspiring stuff get passionate about this, these sort of things. So it comes it's- across, Christy, it comes across. Thanks very much for joining us. It's been wonderful. Thank you. We hope you have enjoyed this podcast episode of Engineering Career Journeys. Please like, subscribe and provide feedback. Australia-wide engineering recruitment can be found at australiawide.com.au or on our LinkedIn page. We look forward to presenting more interviews with interesting engineers shortly.